What is up, everybody? This is Caleb Loomis coming at you live from my apartment back for another episode of Speaking Llama. And yes, Alex, that is a uh, reference to one of the Survivor contestants we'll be talking about today. But before we get there, how are you? Caleb, I'm doing pretty well. I am getting over a little bit of a cold. You know, I want to say that head on. It's not COVID, I promise. But if, in fact, I lose today... I just want you to know that that's the reason why. But if I win today's episode, then how amazing am I that I can beat you even when I'm sick? Well, I'm glad you're already making excuses for yourself. I expect nothing less from you, uh, from the person who literally likes to pull stuff out of his butt every single day and every single time we have these arguments. Kind of a weird thing to say about me, man. Well, you Uh, know, I'm not the one doing it. You are. I'm just saying, you know, it's it's the internal credit external blame that's kind of my motto in life right it's like it's like one-on-one the, the guy who cuts you off you call them all these names and say they're bad at driving but when you cut somebody off it's like oh sorry i just missed my turn yeah but what if you're always the better driver uh i don't think you know what that's like so i don't think it's relevant for you to even ask that no i i think that's i think that's it i think yeah okay. I'm, I'm always the better driver anyways Alex, you're such a know-it-all man to talk about some survivor players why don't you tell everyone uh, oh no wait before i do that i i don't know how i could forget it's not like we haven't been doing this for 16 17 episodes now <laughs> alex i have a great question for you today okay hit me you know we if we both were on survivor we we would probably get kind of cast type as like that quirky survivor fan that's like kind of too invested for his own good uh <laughs> And oftentimes, those people are the person that they show day one as out searching for an idol. And if that were you, if you were on the show, when is, how long would it take for you to start looking for an idol? Ooh, I I feel like it would take me, it would take me a couple of weeks to start looking for idols. I I don't foresee myself being lucky enough to find an idol. And also I've always been terrified when I see them like reaching their hands and like tree trunks and stuff. It's like, what if there's a giant snake in there? You just stuck your hand inside there. I probably wouldn't look for it right away, but I would be the guy at day one, day two, either one telling like a recruit to go look for an idol and then blaming that person and trying to get them out. (laughs) Say like, oh yeah, man, you got to go find an idol and then go back to camp and tell everyone, hey, this guy's looking for an idol. Or just be on the lookout for anyone else looking for idols and try to get the whole tribe against them to save me a couple boats. Okay. Well, I I personally, day one, I'm looking for an idol. Uh, But... (laughs) Uh, and I can easily say this now, which in reality is probably not going to happen. Uh, I would, you know, do so subtly, right? Only when I'm getting wood. I'm never going to go off off on my own. Uh, only when I'm do actively doing things. So yes, it's probably going to take me a while to find something. But the whole time I'm going to be looking for weird looking trees, uh, mm-hmm. shells and stuff that are on the ground. I mean, at this point, like it, they could be literally anywhere. I, but I, we've talked about this before. I want them to go back to like, hiding them in unique locations or like it's a unique looking idol so that uh or it's it's like you know in china the black little square that's right staring them in the face for days on end so i'm turning over everything looking at all the possible scenarios and will that probably put a target on my back absolutely but i just couldn't contain myself and any survivor super fan who can't admit that i they're lying to themselves 
No, man, I, I would be the guy calling you out for looking for idols. Right. And then I'd be like, well, Alex was literally out there with me. Nah, nah, <laughs> not going to happen. Listen, you know that, you know that if you, if you throw me under the bus, I'm pulling you right down. There oh no, me. man. I'm making it clear. I don't go in the jungle by myself. <laughs> anyways, anyways, well, that as always, that question does have to do with who we are talking about today, Alex, and who are those two survivors that we will be talking and debating? Yeah, so we've got a great matchup, a actually kind of a meta matchup because these two guys host a podcast together called Survivor Know-It-Alls. That's why I called you a know-it-all earlier. Ah, the, yes, the that's show. what you did there. But we are talking about Rob Sesternino and Stephen Fishback. So Rob Sesternino, he hosts the massive podcast network. Rob has a podcast, also known as RHAP. Kind of in the Survivor world, he is known as either Rob or Rob C. Um, and we first saw him in season six, the Survivor Amazon. I'm sorry, quick spoiler warning uh, for season six, season eight, season 18, season 31, before I say his placement. So I'll give you a second. Way to go. Wait, Alex, you are getting slowly better at not just spoiling everything for people. I just, I don't care about spoilers, so I feel like no one else should. Well, you, know? you would be wrong, but anyways. Anyway, so Rob C., first on Survivor the Amazon season six. Great season, didn't age very well. I would encourage you not to go back and watch it. Um, it's It was the first season of men versus women uh, and came out yes. in 2003. So I would tread carefully. It's not a typically fun, typical fun watch. But there's it's just a, more, it's there's just more cringeworthy, cringeworthy moments in that season but uh, if where you just us, think... It's like watching The Office, uh, like the first couple seasons of The Office, and you're yeah. like, that would not get aired today. Yeah. And if you are on episode 17 of Speaking Llama, you don't really care about cringiness because you're still here. <laughs> anyway, so he got third place in season six, Survivor Amazon, came back for season eight, Survivor All-Stars, where he got 15th place out of 18. Uh, and then we were talking about Stephen Fishback and... We might refer to him as Steven or as Fishback. He kind of goes with both. Uh, he first came on our TV screens. Uh, season 18, Survivor Token Chains, where he got second place, infamously losing to JT, who we've previously talked about, uh, in the first shutout of a final two, not a final three. He then came back for season 31, Survivor Second Chances, also known as Survivor Cambodia, where he got ninth place. So these are the two guys we're talking about. They are kind of like us, Caleb, you know, in a, in a maybe a older versions of us and versions of us that actually got to play Survivor. They both have beards now. Steven has glasses. It's basically us. That is us in the next 10 years. I, I feel it. I yeah. feel it. Yeah. We'll see. No, but also, honestly, a big shout out to both of them. Uh, I did make the reference to coming at you live from my apartment, which is one of the things that Rob Sesternino used to, I think he still does, but he used to always do to open up his podcast. And uh, I want to shout out to Rob Sesternino that he has arguably done more for the survivor community than any other survivor player contestant, just in terms of not only just keeping the community connected, but also expanding and building upon the fan base. And uh, we would never try to emulate them, but I like to think, as Alex said, that we're kind of like the mini-me's of 
Rob Sesternino and Stephen Fishback. And if anyone ever told me that, that would be the highest compliment I could ever receive. And Rob Sesternino, if you happen to be listening to this podcast, which you probably aren't, and that's completely okay. But we'll tag you. We, we will tag you, and we would love to chat with you. For and sure. you too, Stephen. Yeah, definitely, Stephen. Uh, <laughs> and if anyone were to tell us, any listeners, just comment on this video post on Instagram and say, you guys are like Rob and Stephen. We would, we'd love it. So That, that is true. A high five post-COVID. But with that, Alex, a quick additional disclaimer, Rob and Stephen are real people in real life. We will be talking about the characters that they portrayed on a TV show uh, several years ago at this point. Uh, they don't play perfect games because neither of them won. And we are going to have, as always, some jabs at one another, but always the respect to the two players we're talking about. For sure. For sure. Well, Caleb, if you don't mind, I'm going to go first this episode with my opening statement. For Great. Stephen yeah. Fishback. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, I like to tend to give other people the opening, but I, I, I see how you're already selfish, but yeah, sure. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I see. I, I made the claim because last episode you tried to make a case about how nice you are for giving it to me. So I'm taking that power away from you. I see. I see. Mm-hmm. Steven Fishback, one of my personal heroes, and I think a hero for anyone who's ever felt out of place. You know, he refers to himself in Survivor Cambodia as the fish back out of water, which is just hilarious in itself. But Coach actually deemed him in his first season to be the wizard of the tribe. And, and so I'm here today in this fantasy final tribal council to say, Fishback, he put a spell on his tribe mates. He cast a spell on them both seasons with that strategic thinking and those social bonds. He overcame the odds of being the nerdy city boy who's like thrown out in the middle of the Brazilian highlands and then in the middle of a Cambodian jungle, making a name for himself in the survivor community. And in my mind, stacking up these two players, not necessarily their podcasting abilities or podcasting shows, but their survivor gameplay, I think it's a clean sweep for Steven Fishback all the way across the board. And that's all I have to say. Interesting. Well, for my opening statement about Rob Sesternino, we can talk about the very first. It's you know it's hard to argue. It's hard to say the very first because this is early Survivor, but season five, it, it's we can pretty confidently say the first true and most successful. Right, let me rephrase this: the first true successful Survivor strategist. Rob Sesternino worked from behind the scenes in the shadows as the puppet master for his season on Survivor Amazon. He controls the votes. He plays to a strategic level on that season that few others are playing at. And in fact, the only person playing at that level, he votes off in one of the best moves he makes all season long. So he is this ultimate strategist. And unfortunately for this argument, it's going to be hard to compare some of these things because Stephen Fishback played Survivor in the age of the Hidden Immunity Idol and Twist. Rob Sesternino did not play, at, did not have the opportunity. Uh, the biggest twist that he was involved with was a tribe swap. And now when we think about the tribe swap, that, that was one tribe swap. And now in seasons, there's three, four. I can't wait for them. One day they're going to have five tribe swaps just because. 
like every episode there's a trap I, song. I know right just it's going to change which i mean game changers was basically that but you know and then you we'll have to acknowledge this right he does really well his first season and not quite as well as second season but that is mainly because he ran into the dominance that was rob and amber of survivor all-stars and it's just hard to compete with greatness uh in, in a way that you know steven didn't have to or even have a chance to so with that i I, I do. Th- I am going to give Steven uh, pr- most likely outplay just because there's not information to go off of. Uh, and so I'm going to say that we shouldn't even consider outplay in this uh, okay. argument because no. it's not a true barometer. But, but the two survive, right. these two are cut in the same cloth in terms of survivor strategist. And Rob Sesternino is by far the better strategist as it compares to Steven Fishback. And I am here to prove why today. Interesting. I, I have three quick comments based on your opening statements. So this could be a sure. I didn't say anything after yours, but go ahead. Yeah. Uh, first, you said he was the most successful or the first successful strategist of Survivor. Yes. Um, Richard Hatch, the Sepia Tauri, and Brian Heideck would all like to have a word with you after our show. That's fine. Second, um, not a comment at you, but, you know, acknowledging Robin Amber's dominance uh, from that original Shapira tribe in Survivor All-Stars. What would our world have been if that power duo was actually Rob Sesternino and Sue Hawk? What a great, better. What could have been. Could have been. Uh, and then third, uh, I just would like to really emphasize that quote you just made to the, in- the entire Survivor community that said, Let's not even consider outplay. So here you had it. You heard it here first. Caleb wants to take out outplay from the theme of Survivor. He just wants to outwit and outlast. Um, his his Instagram t- handle is tagged in our bio. Please. It's interesting that you took outplay. get rid of outplay to for this argument. You completely forgot that. I didn't left that. out that statement. I kind of tune you out sometimes. Anyways, so Alex, as we always do, we will go through uh, after these opening statements, the categories of outwit, outplay, and outlast. And so we'll kind of kick things off with outwit. Would you like to go first on this or would you like me to see what I did there, Alex? See, I I offered. Hey, thanks, Caleb. I will let you go first since you think it's the most important and you just want to take out outplay. So I'll let you go first for outwit. That's true because it's going to be clear here that Rob is the better strategist and social player from Stephen. Okay, okay. Uh, go ahead. You go. Oh, I, I will. As I said in my opening statement, Rob Sesternino is the puppeteer behind the scenes his entire season. Here's this goofy guy that's out of place, but ultimately free to be who he is. He is unashamedly the sassy, snarky guy peanut gallery making all the comments about everyone kind of finds himself on the outs with people but then uses everyone on the outs to control the game of survivor he like this is what i meant by like great strategy like strategic player in terms of his ability to flip-flop right we talk about now like flippers and we talk about uh trust clusters and voting blocks Rob Sesternino is doing that in Survivor Amazon season five. Right? He inspired the the America tribe in season 30. Sure, sure. Remember that? 
you know, if the Americans never flipped, as Haley Ford told us. <laughs> sure. Would have been a different story. So flippers do win, according to Haley Ford. Uh, okay. I don't know what that tangent was for, but okay. So he is playing on a different level that we're talking about doing these days in Survivor in the very first seasons of Survivor. And let me kind of point out a couple of examples where he does this. From the very beginning, Rob lets Roger think that he is in control of the tribe. Rob sets himself to play from the background, but also controlling all the votes. It's that classic meat shield strategy. It's the, hey, I'm going to let you be the leader of the tribe and do what you want to do. Ultimately, I'm going to be making all the connections and then driving the votes when I need to drive the votes. And he does it twice. He does it with Roger. And then once his tri- once the tribe swap halfway through the pre-merge and he ends up on the tribe with Dina, he lets Dina be the face of the alliance, letting making all the calls, pushing the votes so that Rob can go, hey, look at Roger. Hey, look at Dina. Watch out for those people. And he does it time and time again and builds connection with, with the majority and then takes the minority to make a move. He does that when his allies want to flip on Dina. And I said one of the best strategic moves that he made all season is actually the Dina vote out. Because on that swapped tribe, he makes a final two with Dina. And he realizes that Dina's the only one playing as hard as he is. He had the choice at that vote when Dina was on the chopping block to either rally the votes to save Dina or take advantage of an opportunity to eliminate someone who is controlling other people's votes. By taking out Dina, Christy doesn't have a, a person to hold together. Butch is on the outs. Matt is already on the outs. <laughs> he then is able to control those people that are on the outs because Alex later on tells Rob that between him, Heidi, Jenna, and, uh, and Rob, that Rob's number four. So Rob, what does Rob do? Okay, cool. I'll just go take the other three people that are on the bottom and vote you out. But then what does he do immediately after that? Uh, when Alex gets voted out, now Jenna and Heidi are on the bottom. And Rob is in control of the alliance, but he is worried about Christy. He takes Jenna and Heidi, who are just in the majority, and that he just flipped on, works with them, saves them, and then flips back again one more time. Right? So a guy who is able to not just be likable and make connections because at the end of the day, that's how he's able to make all these moves is that people trusted him to make those moves with at the end of the day. Now I do think he does get some flack towards the end. And cause you know, there's this narrative of that Rob isn't likable or maybe, maybe Rob, you know, Jenna think makes a comment about Rob being maybe easier to win against, but I don't think that's the case. I think in terms of the best strategic gameplay out there, he dominated that season in a way that Fishback isn't able to in his seasons. Because I would argue, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Alex, is that without his golden boy partner, I don't think Steven has a social game. At least not a very strong one. And I think the way that we see that is in season his first season, Token Chains. He has joined the hip with JT and they go together to the end. And I think I still think that JT needs Steven because I think Steven is a strategic player, but when we go to Cambodia, when he only, when he only has one person going to bat for him and Jeremy, 
and no one else wants to work with Steven. I think that kind of shows, it highlights maybe that, that flaw in his game that I think Rob Sesternino is able to overcome better than Steven in his seasons. You gave me, you gave me an inquisitive look. I'm just saying that Rob yeah. did a better job of building relationships. Right. Well, you know, you said in your second season, it was Jeremy was the only one going to bat for, for Fishback um, and no one wanted to work with him. That's, you know, that's why Rob would be better. Um, but I think we have to acknowledge Rob's second season. Literally no one would go to bat for him. He was immediately targeted because no one trusted him. So in that logic, I mean, at least Fishback did have Jeremy and, and I'll, I'll go through in my argument to say how important Jeremy was for keeping Steven there. But you know, I, I think Rob could have benefited from someone like Jeremy in his second season, like Fishback did. Yeah, it's important to acknowledge like his he wasn't very good on All Stars, and because I think he tried to play the same game as he did on Amazon. And for a bunch of experienced players, this isn't the first time people are eating. This is right, that shtick isn't going to work with someone like Rob Mar- Mariano. Um, and so, yeah, you're right. He doesn't have anyone going to bat for him there, but I also think he is actually hurt by the fact that his tribe did not go to tribal council until several votes in, um, it's that idea of like, right. I think he had too much time to rub people the wrong way or just not, not build in ways that he could have. And I think he is hurt, but that doesn't mean that he would have survived a first vote anyways, I'm just saying totally. that we, we have we have seen in other episodes, right, where relationships are one way on day two and they're very different on day 10, uh, just yeah. depending how it shakes out. And so I think this is an example of where I would have loved to see how he would have done had something out a little bit differently. And also on a tribe of six, I think this is an important distinction, right? When we talk about, and I guess not a tribe of six, they started out with, no, they started out with three tribes, yeah. right? Yeah, three chapter six. Uh, that there's nowhere to hide. Uh, as opposed to in Steven's season, he has plenty of places to hide to begin with. That's true. And Steven didn't go to tribal his first couple episodes either, you know, on the Bion tribe. On right. And then even after the tribe swapped two, he didn't go to tribal council. Right. He just went once. Yeah. Right. Um, all right. So I'm going to move into Outwit for, for Fishback, if you're good with that, Caleb. Yeah, I'm great with that. Perfect. Well, it, it's interesting because I, I've been a big fan of Fishback and, and predominantly for his strategic game. And I think he has a great strategic game, but really going back through his game and coming through it with this lens, I think it's more a social game than a strategic game, uh, which is really interesting. And, and you know, Caleb, you, you had made a few comments about his social game. And I know I won't change your opinion because like that's our whole thing here, but maybe I'll change some other people's opinions. Um, that's my goal for today's episode. But I think one of his, or single-handedly his best move in Survivor Token Chains is his relationship with both JT and Taj. Uh, they're on the uh, Jalapal tribe together and he very intentionally recognized early on, okay, I'm out of water here. Like I'm the fish back out of water. I'm out of my element. I need to make very strategic bonds. So he very intentionally tried building bonds with those two early on. He went, you know, fishing with Steven to try to build that bond. He was hanging out with, with Taj. And he had this a confessional where he says he's like excited to play like the eager, goofy best friend to JT because he recognized like if he played that part to JT, JT would take him to the end of the game. And he was hoping he'd be able to make a move before the end of the game, which obviously didn't end up happening 
resulting in him getting second place. But he he knew the part he was playing socially, and and he, he played it perfectly. Um, now now his tribe lost a lot of immunity challenges as a tribe. There were no tribe swaps in token chains, which is an interesting dynamic. Uh, but those three, Taj, JT, and Steven, along with Joe, were going into the merge four versus six. And they knew they were down in numbers. And Joe gets medevaced, the, the merge episode. And so it's literally just the Jalapal three against the Timbira six. Uh, and so those, they, they kept trying to, you know, work their way through. And, and Timbira was a really fractured tribe. And, and they were ready to start voting each other out. So they did. Uh, and, and Taj and Steven and JT made it all the way to the final four. And at that final four, Taj and Steven were like, we got to vote out JT. He's going to win this game. Let's do it. JT won immunity. So Steven back, backtracks and goes, all right, we got to vote out Taj. Like, we have to do it because she might take JT to the end. And so he's willing to recognize these social moves and where he's at, placing himself in a really good position. They vote out Taj, heartbreaking. Uh, but final three, it's Steven. And he kind of says he doesn't want to win immunity because he doesn't want to have to vote out JT. Um, he wants Aaron to win because he knows she's going to take him and even he'd be willing for JT to win because he knew JT was going to take him too and, and so it kind of turned into this point at the final three Steven was going to the end no matter what now if it's with Aaron he wins if it's with JT he doesn't uh, and that's just kind of the the dice he had to roll there the other really cool social moment that that I think doesn't get enough credit because it didn't work out was the exile aisle? Sorry, was the exile alliance? <laughs> was the exile island alliance? How many times do you have to say that to get it right? <laughs> I'm editing the rest out, so no one will ever know. So, and I categorize this in the same category. I put Dean's fake fake advantage from season 39. It didn't work. Straight up, just didn't work. But if it did work. It would have been legendary. So that's the category I put this okay, in. If we're gonna, if we are going to use that logic, if Dean would have played his fake advantage and gotten all of his votes on him, it would not have worked. So I'm talking it, about Dean here, it, it can go either way, buddy. Dude, that was like eight episodes earlier. <laughs> You're so, the one that just brought it up. I know. I. Yeah. I know. <laughs> all right. So Exile Island Alliance, what it was was that season, uh, the winning tribe for the reward challenge chose someone from the losing tribe to go to Exile Island. That person who was chosen chooses someone from the winning tribe to go with them. And, and so kind of a cool dynamic where two people from two different tribes are on Exile Island together, away from their tribe, away from the social bonds, away from the reward potentially. Uh, and, and the same people kind of kept getting picked. It was Taj and Brendan and Sierra and Steven. And so Taj and Brendan said, like, hey, let's let's connect up. Like, let's the four of us all get together and become this, like, secret cross-tribe alliance. And so it, it started working out that way. And those four were, like, ready going into the merge saying, like, hey, if we can keep this under wraps, keep each other safe when we start targeting one another, we hit the final seven and we're golden. Like, let's go. And, and I think it was a really cool potential alliance. But it didn't work out. Brendan... Uh, decided he like loved JT and wanted JT to win and kind of threw away that alliance in that game uh, at the merge and got himself voted out because of it. I think he was like the inventor of bare naked granola, which I really like. Um, oh, no way. Yeah. 
so it's kind of sad i'm like every time i like see bare naked granola at the grocery store i like think of like Brennan's bad move in survivor so it's kind of weird okay and then finally looking at uh, cambodia we referenced it earlier his best outwit move here is his tight bond with jeremy uh early on in the bayon tribe he was like on a tribe of alpha men i mean it's joe it's savage it's jeremy it's keith and it's him and he's like here i am again like fish back out of water here we go uh but ends up swapping uh, staying on the bayon tribe and jeremy's still on it monica's on it kimmy's on it spencer's on it and kelly wigglesworth is on it and that's when steven and jeremy really bond and that relationship that he had with Jeremy really carried him through um, his time in the game and through about halfway through the merge, uh, which I'll get to here um, in the next couple of sections. But that was really, that was the key moment in his gameplay. It was the Taj relationship, it was the JT relationship, and it was the Jeremy relationship. And so I think he's more of a social player than a strategic player, but well, that's just my hot but, take. But that that's also the thing too. I think my point about, Sestranino is that he is able to do both uh, in ways that Steven can't. He he builds those relationships and then uses those relationships, which that doesn't mean that Steven doesn't use those relationships. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's unfortunate. If JT doesn't win immunity, uh, doesn't go on his immunity run like he does, it would have been interesting to see how everything shakes out. Yeah. But I, you know, I think that when, when you look at that, right, without JT, without Jeremy, Steven is truly a fish back out of water uh, and, and, and doesn't, doesn't have anywhere to go. And, and so without that, which there's great self-awareness in that, right? That's yes. the move and, that and he has to play. I think that's the difference. It's like, he's aware of it and he's choosing it. He's not letting them choose to carry him along as a best friend. He's willingly choosing to be carried along as the best friend. And I think that intentionality um, sets him apart. And that doesn't necessarily compare to like Rob Sesternino, right? Like, because I'm not, I'm not saying Rob didn't do that, but right. I think compared to some other players in Survivor that linked up with big tight uh, alliances who really carried them through the game, I think Steven was more of an active agent in that than some others. Well, but see, I think the the point that I'm making here in terms of outwit is that right? It's the strategic and social part of the game, and I think Rob Sesternino does a better job in both of those aspects than Steven does. And I disagree, so we'll call it a push. <laughs> All right, outplay. Uh, this is both challenges and rewards. Uh, as Caleb mentioned early on in the I think season, you mean challenges and advantages. <sighs> but for for Rob Sester, you know, he doesn't have advantages, so it is right. challenges and rewards. That's what so I was going to say. So, thanks, man. Caleb mentioned earlier, Rob obviously played in the Age of Survivor his last season, uh, and an immunity idol didn't even exist in, for three more seasons, right? So. We're talking, it's hard to compare the two, but I will capitalize on that fully because Steven did use advantages uh, in his time on Survivor. In terms of challenges, Steven Fishback had 10 total tribal wins and four total individual wins, including one individual immunity win in his first season. Uh, That's 14 total wins for him, especially on a tribe, his first season that lost a lot of pre-merge challenges. That's significant, but he did have a lot of success on the tribe uh in his second season reverting back to one of the one comment i made i think in one of our first episodes one of my favorite moments or two favorite fishback challenge moments from cambodia one 
would be like the two tribes are maybe three tribes they're like have to run up uh, a bunch of stairs and then have this like catapult like catapulting a sandbag onto um i don't even know what you call it like you have to hit something on the beach and then a flag goes up and he like accidentally hits the other tribes and their flag goes up and it counts and i for, it counts for that person or that other tribe that would totally be me on survivor but also my favorite fish rack moment i feel like it's a redemption moment from that they had a nighttime challenge and i think it's called like folklore or something like that but i could be wrong that's just my t-swift knowledge coming out i think it's called folklore but uh jeff reads a story and have to like run in the jungle and answer a bunch of like multiple choice questions and like if it's right it's correct it's like an idol if it's not it's just a rock and i have to go back uh abby maria standing at one of the booths like reading the question and fishback runs up behind her reads a couple parts of the question and like grabs one answer from like option b and he like opens the lid and abby maria grabs it and runs away and then fishback like reads it closer and goes oh no it's c <laughs> like grab C and she's like sorry Abby keep running uh so a couple great favorite challenge moments there yeah great um yeah good perfect I thought you were gonna say something about challenges anyway looking at advantages um he did find a hidden immunity idol with Taj in his first season uh this they discovered it together um JT found it in Taj's bag told Steven about it and Fishback kind of used that as like yeah we're gonna tell you we're bringing you in it's us three and like really capitalized on that finding of the idol which could have been his downfall of JT not trusting him but as we talked in the past like really capitalizing and maximizing those advantages is really important I think he did I think he used it in a really positive way to convince JT like no you're in this with us even though he technically like didn't find it with them so I think that's kind of a, a cool way if I'm JT I don't trust it, but it worked. Uh, in Cambodia, he actually won a steal of vote advantage. Was the, it was the first of its kind. And I was at the final 11 in Survivor Cambodia. They're like standing on like dog houses in the water. And Jeff Probes has some monologue about like, you have to make instant choices, which could make or break your game. And then all these buoys pop up and it's like, all right, first one to touch a buoy gets an advantage. And Steven and Spencer jump in, Steven wins it. Uh, that started a lot of paranoia for Fishback. And I think was like his ultimate downfall with that. He got a little bit, uh, he got some power with it and kind of was hellbent to get Joe out. And really he left himself open to being blindsided. And he was, uh, but he took it in stride. Uh, now the interesting thing is based on that social game he played with Jeremy, there's a few moments where Jeremy really helped deflect that power that target on fishbacks back uh, especially from spencer who was really paranoid about the what the advantage was so jeremy helped a few times deflecting it jeremy also successfully played an idol on fishback and that's not fishback playing an idol for himself i don't know if it counts or not but i feel like it's worth mentioning because he technically did have the most amount of votes and it, it got uh, negated because jeremy played an idol on him uh, so that's kind of the outplay for fishback I just want to be clear here, Alex. Are you saying that him knowing... So Taj found the idol, correct? I am not sure. I didn't rewatch the season and online it said they found it together. So I can't remember. Yeah, I think you've seen the season more recently than I have. Interesting. I can't remember either. Uh, I would say, based on that we don't know, and we're, if we assume, if we think that Taj has the idol, 
I just want to point out that you did just indicate that knowledge of the idol is as is important in terms of the outplay category. In which this in pre- particular in, situation, in previous correct. episodes, you have disputed my claim that that is the case. I've never disputed it. I've just always been arguing against it. No, you have literally said that doesn't no. count. No, no, no. Uh, uh, okay, no, no. we'll go back and we'll no. go back and watch the. Record. We'll go back. But what what I want to highlight there is like, yes, he had the knowledge of it. Whatever, KLD, you just go for it. But. <laughs> Like the move with JT, I think is really critical. We've seen so many times on Survivor, like someone sees an idol. I mean, look at Philippines, right? Like there's there's paranoia about there's an idol in a bag, some like what's going on and it breaks trust and it breaks tight alliances when people think they're going behind their backs with it. And, and Fishback, like it could have been that, but Fishback saved it so well and actually like used it to his advantage to bring JT in despite JT not really being in it in that moment. Now, I think they were going to bring him in it, but it could have been detrimental to Fishback's game because they could have voted him out. I completely agree that just because you don't have an advantage doesn't mean you can't strategically use advantages. Yeah, and I think Fishback did a great job with that. Right, I would agree, and other Survivor contestants that I've argued previously have also done a good job about that. All right, so that's our episode. Caleb agrees (laughs) with me. I win. Congratulations, (laughs) and we'll see you next week. So let's talk about outplay for Rob Sesternino. Uh, to his credit, he he is not on the Bayon ever on the Bayon tribe. He is on the Shapira tribe, uh, which does well too. But he has nine total challenge wins, and one of those is an individual immunity, just like Stevens is an individual immunity. And Rob's immunity was one that he really needed to win in order to make sure his moves were effective. And like I said before, we can't talk about advantages here because they just didn't exist in in his time. The only thing, the only like, this is more of a twist than anything. Like I, I just want to point out, right? And I, and I really recognize, Alex, that I am grasping for straws here because I, I need something to talk about this in the category. And I've already conceded that Fishback probably already wins this. But just in terms of, uh, navigating the twist in the game of Survivor, which w- w- the the merge isn't a twist, but um, when Rob and Alex get thrown over into the the girls tribe, uh, they could have been in a minority. It's it's Rob, Alex, and Matt, and they could have been in a minority on that tribe. And they actually like he builds a bond with Dina. He that's really when he like kind of I think gets in good with. Matt is on that tribe and it defines the game going forward from there. And, and he builds a relationship with Jay. You know, I think he just, he navigates the tribe swap excellently. And that goes back to his outwit play more so, but in an era where there are no advantages to talk about, this is all I can talk about in advantages. So Alex, as I said, we can just not worry about outplay right now and focus on outwit because that's what's more pertinent to this conversation okay well i think outlast would also be pretty pertinent to this conversation for fishback so uh let's let's go that is very true you know alex you know that i love stats you also know that i love stats in context no Uh, i you love throwing out stats when they're not helpful for your content you're arguing well if you would you know alex sometimes if you just let me finish my thought uh you would let you you might i might surprise you at times the stats here for 
in terms of days la- out days lasted, they're in Steven's favor. I think it's also important to note, as we as you have already said, that Steven doesn't have to go to tribal council that often in his second season. Uh, now, to be fair, neither does Rob Sestanino to start off with, and he gets voted off in his first one. So outlast, right? But when I think about outlast, I think about someone's ability to also control the game. And this category is, in, in many ways, what we kind of make of it. Uh, it, it. It is talking about how long someone survives in Survivor. It is about talking about how many votes they've had cast against them. It is about talking about their control of the game. And I think when we talk about outlast for Rob Sesternino, that's what we have to highlight. He single-handedly controls and defines all the votes of his season. You could argue that maybe his first one or two votes are are more of a collective decision because it is eight people on a tribe. But after that, he runs the table and controls the vote time and time again. He is truly never in danger until the final three when Jenna Marasco votes him out. And the only other time he was potentially is in danger when is after he flips uh, he he saves Jenna and Heidi uh, that Christy begins to kind of not know what to do with him. And so he takes matters into his own hands and he votes out Christy so that he saves himself. Then I've already made this point about how I, he, I think he does this in a way that Stephen Fishback never does. And, and they are playing two similar, albeit different games and with a different set of people, but he is more active. He is more initiative and unlike fishback i think in there but luckily thankfully fishback doesn't have a final three so this would be even harder to like argue with if there was they're both final twos for sure uh i think steven probably beats aaron uh it kind of depends on how how, i think coach probably definitely votes for uh fishback just because like the whole alliance but 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 maybe not because like Coach got burned. Now that I say that, uh, and like that, that was the whole thing. Like JT didn't want to vote for Coach, uh, so so maybe not. So maybe that's that, that's closer than than we think. I think Rob beats both of the people in his final three if he gets there, uh, and Rob's playing a winning game. And now JT does win some final um, immunity challenges, that, which is hard to like navigate around, but Stephen if he goes to JT has no shot of winning. Um, and he, he knew that and he, he acted one, a couple tribals too late. But I think the point I want to make in terms of this outlast, and we look at the, their two final threes that they're both in, neither of them had control. One of them got voted out because they were a bigger threat to win the game. Jenna's whole argument against Matt was that Matt didn't play the game. He was just out here for an adventure. Rob Sesternino would have beaten either of those two. Steven Fishback only had the chance to beat one. And if we take it a step further, he doesn't have a chance to beat Taj in a final four. Rob Sesternino still has the chance to beat every single person. He goes up and really in the final final five, six, final five onwards, which we can't say the same about Steven Fishback. It's worth noting that Steven does get to second place and that Steven doesn't get voted off in his first tribal council. But when we compare... That, like, that's my argument in terms of outlast in, in this category is that that strong showing in Amazon outweighs the smaller showings 
uh, and potentially more consistent showings, and not only consistent, but but more showings of Steven Fishback in his other seasons. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting argument, and it's the exact same argument I have written down in my notes. It's like, <laughs> and this goes beyond just these two, but like, what's better? Is it to make it to the end and lose, or be the person? at the very end, right before the final tribal council, knowing you're going to win no matter what and going home. Uh, because that's that's what we have here, right? It's it's the person who makes it to the end and loses or the person who was going to win if they could make it that one more challenge, that one more step. Uh, and I just think, I mean, obviously I have to be on the side of Steven, right? That's again, why we're here. But right. by definition, like the person who makes it to the end did outlast like it, it doesn't matter who would have won. We, we can only look at it's as Jeff Probe says, it's you got to get to the end to have your shot at winning. And only one of these two guys got to make it to the end to have a shot at winning. We can say Rob would have won it. And you're right. I think Rob wins against every single person on that season in season six, no matter so what. Maybe Dina, if Dina gets far enough. Oh gosh, I would vote for Dina. Dina. Uh, <laughs> I would also vote for Alex because we have the same name. But like he never had a shot to win. Like quite literally, Rob never had a shot to win because he never got to the final tribal council. Fishback did have a shot to win. Now he blew it by taking, or he didn't take JT, JT took him. But I just, and that's the argument to be made, right? And we're going to be on opposite sides. And, and I think it's an interesting argument to make of what's better, um, going right, going home right before you win or making it in and not winning. Some other moments with J, or uh, not JT with fishback and out well, before before you before you get there i, I just have okay. one question yeah what would sierra easton say to that answer that question i don't know sierra easton went home right before fishback did so i'm know, pretty sure she would say and i quote make a big move <laughs> and he tried it just was a little too late now fishback you know he lasted 68 days across two seasons very strong showing the job out three going deep into the game against like the former tribe of six that's incredible and that's a great showing about last uh, that that alliance could quite literally break apart a tribe of six and that tribe of six wasn't super tightly aligned but they made their way through and fishback was a key player in that you know there were three key players in that and and they they made it happen at the same time like um him getting to the end being in the spot where all three players in the final three including himself we're going to take him. That's a strong showing too. You know, being in the final three, hey, I'm I'm going to the end no matter what, no matter who wins is a great place to be and a strong showing for Outlast. And then finally in Cambodia, you know, obviously he goes home in ninth place, but he did go home after using his steal of vote on Joe because again he was kind of helping on getting Joe out, which he had a really funny tweet a couple months ago that was like, yeah, everyone, you're welcome. Uh, I called it. Uh, look it up if you have any questions. But that season, like, obviously they just came from the Kelly Wentworth blind side where they didn't split a vote. So then, like, the next three tribal councils, they're like splitting votes like crazy. And he did go home in a 4 3 2 vote out where Spencer was the one who flipped and got Steven voted out because he was really paranoid about that uh, advantage, but also paranoid about jeremy uh and steven's relationship because jeremy the tribe uh, tribal council i think either then or, or right before or two before then played the idol it's on him. literally the right one i think the one right before 
Okay, yeah. And so Spencer Wilson, one who flipped, got out Fishback. You know, you can only have one Survivor Superfan on the tribe at all times. Spencer knew that. But it wasn't this, like, everyone going in on Steven. It was kind of this tricky vote where he had two votes. He stole one of Joe's votes. Um, and he got sent home because one person flipped. But in a 4-3-2 vote out, that's, that's, a, that's a tricky vote out to go home on. So- well, okay, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dispute that. That was a tricky vote to go on. The, the 4-3-2, two of those votes were cast specifically by Steven. Right. Uh, and so, like, I don't know if it's the, the three or the two. Like, regardless, yeah. the, the other people are splitting. Like, it's not just one person flipping. It's They're splitting votes to make sure no one plays an idol. Yes. So like, let's, I, I just want to like, make sure we're not like saying like, okay. well, he just like happened to go out that no, they wanted no. him out they two did. tribal councils in a row. He was the target. Right. And and the flaw there is I think on one of his votes, he voted for Abby on one of his votes. He voted for Joe. Had he voted both of them on Joe, it would have been like a four, four, uh, one, which he still probably goes home um, right. because we don't know what would have happened. Would he get Joe's revote? Or question. I, I don't know. I guess he both like he wouldn't get either one of his votes because right. they were the two who got the vote. So he probably still goes home. Uh, but uh, I think that was the move to make and he didn't. But anyway, all those things, I think he worked hard to outlast and I think he wins. Yeah, again, like like I said, and that, that is a great question of what's better to get to the end or get uh to get to get to the end and not have a chance not have not have a chance of winning but have a less chance of winning or to be going out in that last spot and having a really great shot at winning and i think most players right just in terms would agree that you whether it's better survivor gameplay or not you want to be able to win and you should play to win and i know that you're just arguing for the sake of arguing Alex, because that's what we do that's is what we do here on this show but I think you and I both know that it is better to play to win than play for third or second place. And absolutely not. So with that, let's go into our closing statements. Alex, take it away. Yeah. Again, for Fishback, it's his overall game. It's all about the social bonds that he had in those, those two seasons. And I think both of those highlight his ability to adapt, right? Like he had the social bonds with JT and Taj. He knew after that season he lost going into Cambodia, he knew he needed social bonds, but he knew he had to get out the bigger targets, the more likable targets than him uh, because he didn't want it to repeat. And that's his whole story arc in there. And so my man, Steven is, he's about growth. He, he learned from his mistakes in token chains and he applied it to Cambodia because no, no, no. He's, he's trying to get out Joe. He's trying to get these big guys and he's, he's aligning himself knowing that, Hey, I got to get out these targets before they they all make it to the end and I lose. And so he's more conscious of that. He's aware of that. It didn't work out for him. But the other thing, you know, with both seasons, his number one alliance, JT and Jeremy, end up winning those seasons. And so he knows who to align with to get to the end. It just, it didn't work out for him either time. But I, I think he's a good judge of character and he knows who to align with to help him get to the end. Why are you laughing? <laughs> Just the, like, the, the argument of he's a good judge of character. He seems like a nice guy. That's uh, Oh, that's I would love I to hang out with Steven. I'm just like, like, for the no, sake like, of this what argument. Other Survivor player has like so closely aligned and stuck with the entire season to, to the winners both times. 
we're not going to go into other seasons, but I know, it's a losing game. Right. It is. Uh, so but, like, that's, that's the thing. But I think if he had a chance to make his move, he could have made his move in Cambodia. I, I wanted know, him he, to work with Wentworth were so bad. He tried to I make, wanted. he tried to make his move in Cambodia and it didn't work. Right. So, sorry, let me repeat that uh, or rephrase that. Uh, I wish he made the move and I wish it was successful because I'm a Fishback fan. Yeah, but at the time, sure. I was more of a uh, Spencer fan, so I wasn't mad about well, it. Well, Spencer did get the better of that exchange. He did, but he also didn't win. So Yeah, it's true. Well, Alex, I think you paint a pretty picture off of a that you paint a pretty picture. You said I paint a, a pretty picture. Uh, you paint... A okay. pretty picture. Okay. For future reference, what is print? Um, it is the <laughs> something I can't describe on this show because that's how I feel about All you right. right now. All right, that's fine. You paint a pretty picture of Stephen in regards to this argument, to an argument that I think it's pretty clear who the better survivor player is based on what we have seen in the two seasons that they have both played. I can't argue with the fact that Rob Sesternino doesn't really adapt his game going into All-Stars and is probably hindered by the fact that they don't go to Tribal Council earlier than they did. Again, I can't say that he would have survived that, but I can definitely say that he is harmed by not going farther uh, or by going farther along in the game without going to Tribal Council. But when we look at both of their first two seasons, Steven works with an, works very well with an alliance of three to dominate a game. Rob dominates the game by himself from time and time again, controlling each and every vote to being able to really harness that outwit. And we've already talked about my arguments and outplay, but because I think like we look at outwit, we look out outplay and we look out outlast Rob, honestly, barely, outshine Steven in this regard solely because of that great amazing game he played in Survivor Amazon and it's honestly a shame that we haven't seen Rob back on Survivor because I would love to see what like because as I indicated in my Outwood game he plays a new school game in old school Survivor and that is why he wins this debate I don't know if that's the reason, but I agree with you that he should play again. True. Well, Alex, that, that does it for us. Uh, any last thoughts for our listeners? Um, let me spit out my cough drop because I thought I was done for the episode. Um, not a sponsor. Vicks, Vapo Cool, cough drops. No. I, I Again, I think these two players are really fun. Uh, we They're obviously kind of heroes to us both on survivor but also just we enjoy listening to their podcast episodes uh and we'd love to be like them one day so two really cool guys great survivor players great podcasters uh, and you should definitely go listen to uh, rjp if you don't um a lot of really fun content uh and go even further back typically it's they have a survivor note i'll show at the end of uh, the episode when seasons are airing where they kind of dissect the episode live together really fun definitely go listen to it if you're re-watching any more recent seasons uh, because I think they have some really fun commentary on it. Yeah. I also know that he has been doing a lot of great stuff and got a great content outside of like the, like fun, like stuff like yes. they be talking about diversity and survivor, bringing out minority voices. He has done a lot of work 
just intent. Like I, as I said earlier, he has arguably done more for the survivor community outside of maybe Jeff Probst. Jeff is totally. survivor. Totally. And yeah, that, that black voices of survivor, I think it's a two or three part series and uh, Sean Rector from season four and Mark Hastis was the one who kind of had that idea and who brought a bunch of former players together. And Rob kind of gave him the platform on RHAP to lead those uh, podcast episodes. And they are incredible in, in having perspective and highlighting the perspective of uh, black contestants uh, from like season one, Ramona, all the way, I think season 38, Julia was on it. And I, I, I would encourage you to go listen if you haven't yeah. already. I hope you have, but if you haven't, go listen to it right now. If you take anything away from this episode, it's that, hey, Survivor podcasting, it's a lot of fun, a lot of great content. Yeah. We're not RHAP. We will never try to be RHAP. They're great guys. Uh, but hopefully you enjoyed this episode. And if not, go look at our other episodes. There's some good times. Check us out on Instagram at, at @speakinglama, as well as on Spotify and Apple Podcast, wherever you find your podcast. Feel free to leave us a rating, drop us a like, DM us on Instagram. We hope to hear from you. Other than that, see you guys soon. And Rob, if you're still listening, uh, we would take a guest show on your podcast. <laughs> if he's still listening. <laughs> see ya.